Well, I'd invite you to grab a seat. Given the band, we'll be back a little bit later. As, uh, as Josh and Steph said, whoop, that's me. Uh, we're actually in part two of a series that we've been doing called Swipe Right. And if you've never been to church uh, or this is your first time back in a long time, what we really do with a series is we uh, pick a big idea and we attack it from a whole heap of different angles uh, over, over a couple of weeks. And this series is running uh, over three weeks. And we, pre- we plan these series and we prep them like well in advance. And so one of the things that I do when I'm like thinking through, uh, if, if I'm communicating a message, um, I'll usually take some of my, of my ideas to my wife. And, uh, and I said to Emma, my wife's Emma, you'll get to meet her in a second, but she's a teacher, so she's got all these creative ideas and creative illustrations and, and ways to connect uh, some of the things that we're talking about. And I took this idea to her and I said, you know, we're doing this series, it's called Swipe Right. The big idea for the series is how to have a love life that allows you to love life. I said that in part one, which was last week in case you missed it, I said in part one, we're going to ask everyone this question. And the question is simply, are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? I said the whole big idea around that is so, so many of us try to find the right person and not enough of us try to become the person that the person we're looking for is looking for. So we're going to talk about that in part one. And then in part two, we're going to get really practical and we're going to talk about dating. And I said, I think it would be cool if we kind of shared our dating story and, and we talked around that a little bit. Uh, and then Emma said, well, what version are you going to share? I was like, well, my version, of course, like the right version, like the way it happened. So in light, in light of being true to the real story, uh, I wanted to invite Emma up and uh, Emma's going to share her, a little bit of her perspective. Um, you can clap. You don't have to, though. <clears throat> and because uh, obviously, as Josh said, like I am punching, I'm well punching. Now you can see. And so sometimes guys, when guys like punch well above their weight class, like it kind of turns into that Rocky show where you kind of like, all of a sudden it was the greatest story that ever happened. Um, but it, maybe it wasn't. So maybe would you begin to share your perspective of like just how I swept you off your feet? Yeah. So the, <coughs> the sweeping began. Um, I actually heard about Chris, Chris Podlick, before I met Chris Podlick. Uh, I just started teaching at Grace and it was in my first couple of months there and I put my hand up and said I'd like to help coach the girls soccer team and they were really excited about that and then they were like wait until Chris Podlick comes back. Apparently he was overseas on a soccer scholarship for goalkeeping and he came back on his summers and helped coach the girls soccer teams and everyone was like wait till you meet him, he's a great guy. So I was like cool. Um, so then I saw him one day and he was walking with his brother. And you and were like, I need that guy. Let's get married right now. Um, I actually thought... What, what are you is, laughing at? This like? is 100. I thought, he's really short for a goalkeeper. <laughs> like, I was really expecting some real big hunk of a guy, like huge. <coughs> uh, and it was yeah, huge. Okay. <laughs> um, well, actually, unbeknownst to Emma, until actually before the first time Emma had met me, I'd been doing some reconnaissance because Emma didn't know this, but her head of department was actually like one of my one of my best friends. In fact, he was in my wedding party when we got married. And uh, the first time I ever saw Emma, I remember it distinctly. She was walking across one of the ovals of Grace, and the first thought that popped into my head was, "She has got a great butt." Um, oh, some people were poo-pooing that as if you haven't thought that. Anyway, so I decided like, right, I, I, she's a PE teacher. I'll go to my head of department. And so I went to MJ and I was like, MJ, like, there's there's this really good-looking girl that's, like, in your department. Like, she wasn't here when I was back last time. Like, do you know anything about her? Like, is she single? Is she a Christian? Like, I need, I need you to do some recon for me. And so, um, yeah, so I had him kind of doing the recon, and then we, we actually met, and we, like, did that little coaching session. This is weird because for those of you who know me, you know I, um, I like to process things that I say. 
Like I think through everything really carefully before I say it or before I do it. And uh, I remember very um, distinctly, I went home that afternoon and I said something super uncharacteristically. I walked in and mum was like, how was your day? I was like, I think I just met my future wife. Like, she's like, did you talk to her? I was like, well, no, not really. Like, I had a really like creative approach to get your attention though. Didn't I? Um, you added me on Facebook. Is that yeah, well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so you do, you slide into the DMs, like, right? Yeah, I th- he just added me and there was nothing more. It was just a friend request, no conversation. I came nothing. 50%. You had to come the other 50. So then I wrote on his wall. This is back when you wrote on people's wall on Facebook. Like, people would have full conversations in view of other people, mm. um, which wasn't the best idea on my half because... I had students on my account. Yeah, Chris had, like, a heap of students on his, like, Facebook. I was like, whoa. Some of the students were, like, liking the comments. They're like, yeah, Chris. <laughs> delete. <laughs> <laughs> delete. Delete. Um, so then we just started chatting online and exchanged numbers and just kept chatting online and just lots of chatting online and me yeah. being a grown-up, I was like, well, we'll just meet in person. Like, that's pretty normal progression. Like, did you want to get coffee? Do you want to hang out? Yeah. Not keen? No, I wasn't super. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I, I, it took me a while. It took me a while, okay, to sort of um, agree to the coffee date because I was going back for my final year of, like... Uh, college soccer in America, and I'd made this commitment to myself that, that I was going to see it through. I had a couple of like, uh, op- offers from like, clubs, and I was like, I really want to see where this goes. And I, I just knew, because I'd seen it in guys in our team, I was like, they get into relationships, and then all of a sudden they're in the relationship, and I was like, I owe it to myself. So I kind of put it off, um, and then I kind of, like one day, we were ch- we'd been chatting for like, I don't know, like a month? Uh, yeah, like a month, and, um, or pen palling for a month. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to throw it out there because like, she seems pretty great. Like, I'm still not sure if she's a Christian. I still haven't sussed some things out. So I, t- I messaged her and I was like, how about we meet in like 20 minutes, 25 minutes for coffee at North Lakes? It would have taken me more than 25 minutes to drive there. I was like, she's, like, she's going to say no. Like, this is too short of a turnaround. Um, yeah, but the block finale was the night before and I hadn't recorded it. My friend had. So I was at her house trying to watch the block finale and I got this message. And I stopped watching the block finale. <laughs> To go to this coffee. If you day. know Emma, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. And so I dra- my friend was with me. She's wanting to watch the block for now. I'm like, we've got to go. Like, this guy is fine. We're finally going to get past pen pals. So <laughs> this is big. And we drove home, and I didn't even have time to plan an outfit, nothing. It was just blue jeans, grey shirt, scarf. Chris, I rocked up, and he also had a scarf on. So that's All where the rappers f- were wearing it at the time, <laughs> and I like, thought it was cool. That's, like, that's where fashion was at for. Uh... Yeah, but I, that three hours later, the conversation was still going, right? And then we kind of, like, at that point, I was like, oh, no, I'm in trouble, like, because this is, like, I kind of like this girl, but I've got to go back to America. Yeah, but then the dates just kept going. Couldn't get enough of me. Like, date after date after date You can see that. why, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't uh, believe so she was talking to me to begin with. I was like, well, if she's going to keep talking, like, we should keep doing this. Yeah, so he fell in love with me, dates. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it kind of got to the point where he's about to go overseas for, um, into America, a whole different time zone, and both of us were thinking... You know, is it, is it worth trying this if you were going to stay in Australia? Mm. Keen? Yeah, we were definitely keen. Yeah, keen. Yeah, super keen. Yeah, and yeah. I was keen and like, do we, do we try long distance, do we not try? And then um, we tried it and it worked. You. <laughs> put a ring on it. Yeah. yeah. I think in our first 10 months together, what did we see each other, like seven days or something in person? Uh, it was a little bit more than that, but it was pretty crazy. Yeah, eight days. Yeah, months, probably yeah. eight days, yeah. Of being official. Yeah, yeah of being official. And so... Um, before we let you leave, before we let you leave, maybe you could just kind of say, because obviously there's like a progression and then there's that point where it's like, well, we're either going to jump into this thing long distance uh, or we're going to kind of call it quits. What was it that you were sort of like, well, 
did, was it the, something that you saw or was it something that we lined up on that you were sort of like, well, this is worth kind of going through that long distance because I can see something at the end? I just thought you were a total babe. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I think it was the fact that our values had all lined up. Like, I was really looking for someone who was a Christian and was going to be a long-term relationship. And um, then you came along and you ticked that box and then a whole heap of other boxes along the way. Um, he still doesn't like Harry Potter, but uh, we've worked through that. We all have our faults. Yeah. We all have our faults. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing that story, um, Em. I'll let you, I'll let you go. And, and that kind of, like, leads in to what we're, the big idea that we're sort of talking about tonight. Because when we got to that point, we both had been in relationships in the past that had sort of uh, led us to, to see and led us to actually see, well, there are actually some things that didn't work out in past relationships, and there are some things that, that we thought were really important that we all of a sudden realised, actually, they're not that important over the long term. And the big idea, if you, are, if you have to leave earlier in case you get offended by something we say, the big idea we're going to talk around tonight is simply this, that direction, not intention, determines your destination in dating. So many of us, we kind of like, and, and you've seen this when it comes to New Year's resolutions. I intend to lose weight this year. I intend to eat healthier this year. I intend to read 50 books this year. But then the direction of your life doesn't add up to your intention. And so you don't end up arriving at your destination of losing weight. You don't end up arriving at your destination of reading more books or gaining more knowledge this year because it was just an intention. And the same thing is true for us in relationships. We can have the best of intentions. I want to marry someone and I want to love them and I want to care for them and, and we're going to have the best relationship ever. But, but then we set off. And what we don't realize is that we're coming together in a relationship where there's two people who have completely different directions. And although they have the best intentions, they're moving towards two different destinations. And so tonight, what, what I want to do is I want to firstly kind of explore, for followers of Jesus, what is the destination of dating? Because for followers of Jesus, dating is not a status. So many people are like, well, dating is just a status. I can be Facebook official, or I can have that boyfriend, I can have that girlfriend, I can, I can be in the club. And for followers of Jesus, we actually believe that dating has a destination. In other words, it's a journey to move through. And so what we're going to do first is really briefly explore the destination of dating, which we would say is marriage. And then I understand uh, maybe some of you are like, oh, I'm not really at that point yet. We're going to backtrack and we're going to say, okay, we're going to talk really practically about how you go about living in such a way so that your direction moves you to that kind of destination. And we, we actually get a, a glimpse into God's understanding or God's picture for marriage in a letter that uh, a church planter called Paul wrote to a city in Ephesus. And this was, a, this was a city that was kind of really new to the faith, and so they had a whole heap of uh, cultures, they were a pagan culture, so they worshipped pagan deities, and they were kind of exploring and wrestling through, all, well, what does this actually mean to follow Jesus? And so Paul writes this letter and he explores a whole heap of different relationships, a whole heap of different ways of thinking and ways of living, that if you're a follower of Jesus, Paul goes, this is what Jesus taught, and these are some of the things, that, the ways that you should live your life. And he gets to this one part of the letter where he starts talking about relationships. And he talks about all kinds of different relationships. He talks about uh, parents and child relationships. He talks about brother and sister relationships. He talks about friendships. He also talks about bosses and their employees' relationships. And then he gets to this point where he starts talking about marriage. And it's probably, on the surface, one of the more controversial pieces, passages in the New Testament. In fact, you've probably heard it before, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the first part, and I know you're going to push back against it, 
but I want to explain it to you in its right context. Because it was super, super controversial in the culture that it was written, just as it's controversial in our culture, but for two completely different reasons. So this is the picture Paul paints of marriage. He says, submit to one another. Now, the reason that's kind of controversial in our culture is because we don't like the idea of submitting, right? Like, who are you to tell me to submit to someone? I'm strong, I'm independent, I don't have to submit to anyone. Like, I do things my own way. But in that culture, it was just as offensive. Because in that culture, women were treated as commodities. Women were treated as slaves. In fact, ladies, if you would have lived 2,000 years ago in the city of Ephesus, if you saw a crime being committed, you could not give evidence in a court of law because you were not considered a full citizen. And so it was very common practice that you would, you would marry someone and if you're a guy, as soon as they stopped doing what you wanted, as soon as they started meeting your needs, that you would just trade them off and buy another commodity. And into that culture, Paul goes, submit, not to your husband, but to one another. Both of you should be submitting to each other. And the problem for us is in our minds, we have this idea, right, that, that well, I don't really want to submit to another because the, the person you have in your mind that you're thinking of submitting to is probably not worthy of submitting to in the first place because you're probably thinking of your ex-boyfriend, your ex-girlfriend, that person who hurt you, that person who you thought was the one, that, that person who promised you the world and then broke your heart. And you're right, that person probably isn't worth submitting to. And Paul, Paul paint, tells us like why and who to submit to, but, but first he kind of challenges us with this idea of submitting to one another. He actually says that marriage is not a place where one person submits to the other, but it's actually a submission competition. Marriage is a relationship where both people submit to each other, where both people say, you know what, I want to leverage my life to put your needs first. And the other person says, I want to leverage my life to put your needs first. Because the thing about submitting to someone else is it's actually not that scary when you know they've got your best interests at heart. And the context that Paul is talking is he's talking about submitting to one another and then he goes on, he says, out of reverence for Christ. So he's talking to a whole heap of followers of Jesus and he goes, just in the same way that Jesus leveraged his life and hung on a cross to die for your sins, to give you the opportunity to reconnect with God. In the same way Jesus leveraged that, so you are to leverage your life and your husband or your wife is to leverage their life for you. And so it's not two people submitting each other to each other because one person is worthy or one person is so incredible or because you feel like it, but you submit to each other because Jesus leveraged his life for you and so you leverage your life for the other person as a response to that. So that's kind of the destination, and maybe some of you are like, ah, I'm not really sure I buy that, and that's okay. If you're a follower of Jesus, that kind of picture of marriage might not be the picture of marriage that you want, and that is, that is totally right. This is just the picture that Paul paints for those of us who follow Jesus. But for some of you, I'm betting that you have a destination in mind where your partner would be willing to leverage their life for you, and that you know that no matter the circumstances, no matter how they're feeling, no matter the time of the day, no matter how much sleep they've got, that they would be willing to have your best intentions at mind, in heart. And everything that they do is with you in mind. And there is a way to move towards that. 
It's all about the direction that we begin to take. And Paul actually addresses this as well. In another letter he wrote, because Paul was starting all these different churches all around the Mediterranean Rim, Paul actually wrote a letter to another church that he started in the Greek city of Corinth. And this was a city, as we're going to discover next week when we talk about sex, that's one you're not going to want to miss. Uh, We're going to talk about sex next week. Paul writes, writes this letter, he actually writes two letters to this church in Corinth that was, like we said last week, makes our culture look G-rated in its approach to sex. And so this culture was really struggling when they began to follow Jesus because how do we work our relationships out? How do we go about relationships in a healthy way? Because sex was such a part of their culture and it caused so much issue that, that they were really struggling to have normal relationships. And so into that culture, Paul says this word, these words. He says, don't become partners with those who reject God. Now, I totally get if you wouldn't put your hand up and be like, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. That sounds offensive, right? That sounds offensive. And, and let me explain before you kind of like walk out. What Paul is kind of doing here is he's actually painting a picture. He's actually painting a, an agricultural picture because the Corinthian people were agricultural people. These were farmers. These were stone, uh, these were, sorry, iron workers. And so what he's saying is he's like, imagine that you're on the farm, right? And you've got two oxen, you need to partner them up. And the way that you would partner these oxen up when you're on the farm is you would, have, uh, you would have what's called a yoke. And this yoke was made of either wood or it was made of either iron. And you would, when you were ready to plow your field and get it ready for the upcoming seasons, you would put this yoke over two oxen, over the back of two oxen. And you would set off and you would plow your field because it kind of had like a little plow behind it and it would till the soil ready for the harvest. But the thing was, if you picked two oxen that were of unequal size and they, were, they weren't suitable partners for each other, what would happen is that as they, they would start off in the same direction, but then one would start to lean this way because the yoke kind of moved this way, and then one would start to lean the other way, and they would pull and they would fight with each other, and then what would happen is you wouldn't get nice straight lines, and the field would be absolutely destroyed, and it wouldn't be able to be used for the purposes that you were trying to use it for. And I know that's kind of like an idea from 2,000 years ago. You know, we don't really yoke oxen today and we don't really kind of move them out into the fields. So I kind of bought my wheelbarrow because I thought, you know, a wheelbarrow is probably kind of the closest thing that we have. Because what Paul's saying here is that, that when you partner up with someone, when you connect with someone in any kind of relationship, whether it's a friendship, but particularly we can apply this to a dating relationship, you have your wheelbarrow. And in your... Oh, no. Oh, no, bro. You have your dreams. We know this is dreams in case it falls off again. You have your dreams. We'll just put that on the bottom. You bring with you your dreams. And you bring with you in your wheelbarrow your interests, the things that you're passionate about, the things that you care about, whether that's music or whether that's long walks on the beach, whether that's sipping pina coladas with a sunset, whether that's writing poetry, maybe that's crunching numbers, whatever that is, you bring your interests to that relationship as well. And then you also bring your values. You bring those things that are so core to you that you would not compromise. They're they're almost like part of who you are. And what Paul is kind of saying is that that if you're a follower of Jesus and you value Jesus, then if you partner up with someone who doesn't think about God or doesn't think about spirituality another way, it's going to be difficult because what's going to happen is that you've got all your stuff in your wheelbarrow. And you're going to walk down and you're going to meet that guy, you're going to meet that girl and then your barrows and you're going to line your wheelbarrows up next to each other. 
And they're going to line their wheelbarrow up next to you and you're kind of going to look at that field as if you're kind of going to get ready to kind of make some tracks and move towards the same destination together. But then what's going to happen is over time, if you're not lined up, if, you're not, if you don't value the same things, if you don't have similar interests, if your hopes and dreams aren't moving in the same direction, there's just going to come a point where you're going to start to split. And there's going to be tension. And one person's going to go one way, and one person's going to want to go the other way. And Paul actually says it this way. He says, how can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not a partnership. That's, it'll come up in a sec, that's war. It'll be there in a second. He says, how can you make a partnership, there we go, out of right or wrong? That's not a partnership, that's war. And what he's saying is he's not saying that, well, you're followers of Jesus, so you're always right. And those people who don't follow Jesus, they're always wrong. He says, no, because of the things that are in your wheelbarrow, your interests and your values, you do things a certain way. And your values make sense to you. And so you look at the world and you look at relationships a certain way and it makes sense to you. But then when someone comes along and they've got their values and their interests, if they don't align, they look at the world and they, their values make sense to them. And so they think that their way is right. And so there will come to a point where both of you think your values are right and the other person's are wrong. Both of you think that your dreams are right and the other person's maybe are silly and they should change their dreams. And if you don't address it at the start, it's going to get to a point where your wheelbarrows start to merge and it's going to feel like war because you're always going to argue over the same things. You're always going to have that discussion about, well, this is what I think honesty looks like. Well, this is what I think we should do with our finances. This is the way I think we should, pro should approach marriage. This is the way I think we should approach dating. This is the way I think that we should approach friends. This is the way I think we should approach family and value family within our relationship, and it will feel like a war. And at that point, when you get with your barrow and you're tussling and you're twisting and they're pulling and they're going their way, I believe you have three options. The first option is this. You can compromise what's in your barrow. You can say, you know what, that's all right, I'll just go your way. And when you do that, you actually say no to the things that you hold dear. You say, you know what, my values are not that important. My interests are not that important. My dreams are not that important. And so you start off by saying, you know what, your values are more important, your dreams and your hopes are more important, and so then you move off in that direction. And that's okay if you want to take that option. The other option is this, is that you ask the other person to compromise what's in their barrow. You essentially say to them, well, here are my values and I'm not moving. I'm staying put with this. And if you still want to continue to be in this relationship, then you need to compromise and you need to change your values. Now, we don't say it that way, right? We say, well, if, if you want to make this work, then you'll see things my way. If you want this relationship to work, then you'll do this for me. But really what we're asking them is to compromise their value. Now, I'm not saying like compromise, like I'm not talking like you like Harry Potter, you know, they like action movies. Like that's, that's not a value. That's just like something that you like doing, okay? You can work around that. But if you have a core value, a family, and someone doesn't talk to their parents and for them it's just not important, there's going to be a point where in your relationship where you're going to ask them to compromise on their values. And then the third option is simply just to disconnect the barrows, to identify and say, you know what, although we had the best intentions, we're not moving in the same direction. 
Although we started this with the best of intentions, we're actually not going to reach the same destination because we're moving in two different directions. And no matter what happens, if we keep this way up, we will get into war and one of us will be unhappy if we move in the same way because one of us will compromise. One of us will compromise our hopes and one of us will compromise our values. And that's not a recipe for success in a relationship if you compromise something so core to you in the dating phase of the relationship. So, where does that leave us? We really actually believe that uh, here at Beyond that if you follow Jesus, it will make your life better and it will make you better at life. And so every week we like to give you kind of one little piece of homework or a question or a thought to kind of help you make your life better and help make you better at life. And we call it a Four Monday. And this week's Four Monday, I simply want you to do this. I simply want you to decide what you want now at the destination. In other words, when you get to that point in time, and for those of us who follow Jesus, that would be marriage. When you're standing at the altar and you're about to say, I do, you're at the destination of dating. What values do you want in the person standing opposite you? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then, then I'm not sure what your destination is. You, you've got to determine that for yourself. But whatever that destination is for you, what, what do you want at that destination? Because if you don't decide now, then there's no guarantee that you'll, you'll drift in the right direction. We have to be intentional about moving in the right direction. And I get that some of you are probably sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm actually not sure what I want at the destination. Like, I, I haven't really, that's not really ever a question I've thought through. And so, so another question that I think will help you decide is what don't you want in the end? In other words, when, when you get to that destination of dating, when you get to marriage, what don't you want? Do you want someone who values honesty? Do you want someone who values and, and wants to protect and guard the relationship? Or do you want someone who every time you have a fight, posts about it on Facebook? Of course, they wouldn't use the names, but you know who they're talking about, right? And everyone knows. You, do you want someone that thinks about family, that thinks about friends in a certain way? Do you want someone that values Jesus the same way that you value Jesus? And when you begin to think, you know, what don't you want in the end, it makes it so much easier to decide, okay, well, this is what I want, actually want now. Because that's what I don't want in the end, and if I don't want it in the end, I don't want it now. And I get, as we wrap this up, that some of you are probably thinking, you know what, Chris, like, that's cool, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take my barrow and I'm just gonna wheel it over to the side and I'm just gonna leave it there because I know there's stuff in my barrow, I know there's hopes, I know there's dreams, but they're kind of just tossed in there. I don't really know what they are and I don't really wanna spend the time right now to figure it out. That's, a, that's an issue for future me to deal with, right? And so you're kind of like, I, I, I don't see the point because I'll figure it out in the future. And, and if that's you, I just want you to see just, just how important this is. And I want to ask you, you know, what led to your greatest relational regrets? When you dated that guy and you dated that girl, what is it that led to your greatest relational regrets? You know, all your friends said, you know what, that's the same type of girl, that's the same type of guy that you always date and you said, you know, that you said that you wouldn't date that kind of type of person again. You said that you'd learnt from the past, but you justified it to them, and so you made a decision in your mind. You know, what led to that? Maybe for some of you, uh, it was, uh, there was a line in the sand that you'd drawn, and you said, you know, physically, I'm never going to go past this line. I've made a decision, I've, I'm not going to physically go past this line with someone else. 
And then all of a sudden he said he loved you or she said that you were the one and all of a sudden you compromised. All those regrets that you have in your relationship life or the relationships you've had, what led to them? See, I believe that your greatest relational regrets occur when you compromised on what's in your wheelbarrow. And even though you might not have been able to articulate it, the, the regret that you experienced and the hurt that you felt was because you actually did have something in your wheelbarrow. You just didn't know what it was. And so you crossed a line that you didn't think you were ever going to cross. And you kind of thought, hey, if I don't worry about this, if I don't think about this right now, if I don't articulate it right now, future me can worry about it. But future you experienced hurt and experienced regret that you weren't ready for. And if that's you, I'm sorry. But I don't want you to have to experience any more hurt or any more regret than you need to. Because life and relationships are already complicated enough without us making it more complicated for ourselves. So why not this week? Why don't you actually take the time? What are the values that are most important? What do I want in the end right now? Because it makes it so much easier. Because I get that now screams so much louder. Because you know what your values are and you're like, you know, I want that in the end, but he's so cute. I know that I want that in the end, but oh man, she is so far out of my league. I might never get this opportunity to, to date someone that attractive again. Oh, I know that I want that in the end and I know he or she is not like that. And we justify why it's okay. And I know that now screams louder, but later lasts so much longer. And because later will last so much longer, why don't you take the opportunity to define what it is right now, what you want in the end. And when you do that, when now starts to scream and you start to justify, he's got such a nice smile, he's so funny. And guys, you're like, she loves dogs. You'll be able to move past that because you're not looking and you're not focused on now, even though it's screaming so loud and saying compromise, 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 you're looking past that. And you're realizing that later lasts longer. And so I've made a decision that I will not compromise what is in my wheelbarrow. And the last thing, and then I'm, I'm done, is I, I get that it is so difficult to trust because part of the reason that we compromise on now is because maybe for some of us, we're not sure if it's going to get any better. And maybe for some of us, we've, you've made mistakes in relationships and you're like, I don't deserve any better. There's a level, I've done things in my past and that kind of disqualifies me from anyone. If Jesus was willing to go to the cross and leverage his life for you. Don't you think he wants the best for you? Not just in the area of following him, but in every single area of your life. And don't you think that, that if someone doesn't line up on your core values and the things you value most, that Jesus would actually have someone else in mind that actually does? Because the truth of the matter is, you can walk out this door and you can ignore it. But what will happen eventually is if you compromise your values, you'll get to a point and you'll experience that hurt and you'll experience that regret again. You say, if only I didn't waste two years of my life because I knew he or I knew she wasn't the one. And I compromised what was in my barrow and all it led me was to regret. And it was because we focused on the now and shelved the later. So this week, focus and determine what you want in the later. I know now screams so much louder, but later 
lasts longer and you'll experience less hurt and you'll experience less regrets and you'll be so glad that you did. I'd love to pray for you right now. Lord, it is so difficult as we go into relationships because now does scream so much louder. And sometimes we're not even sure why now he's screaming so loud because we know in our minds that that, that person isn't, isn't the right person for us. We know that if there wasn't all that emotion involved, that, that we wouldn't jump into that relationship. We know that if we took ourselves out of that situation, we, would, we wouldn't do it the same way again. And so, Lord, for anyone who's experiencing and maybe this conversation has brought up some hurts and some regrets of the past, Lord, I pray that you would let them know and that they would experience the love that you have for them. That in spite of all their past, Lord, that you leveraged your life for them. That's the whole point of following Jesus, not because we're perfect, but because we realize we're imperfect. And we need a God who is willing to leverage his perfect life for us. And Lord, for those of us who are, who are in the midst of dating or in the midst of relationships, Lord, I pray that this would be an opportunity to sit down and actually ask those tough questions because they're not questions we ask all the time. Often we ask, you know, what are my preferences? Blonde hair, blue eyes, brown hair, loves dogs, loves cats. And Lord, what we really should be asking is what do we really want in the end? Does it really matter if someone has blonde hair in the end? Does it really matter if someone has a six pack in the end? But there are those things that in the end will want them. And so, Lord, I pray that people would take an opportunity to step back and reflect this week so that they can experience the plan that you have for a relationship, so that they arrive at the destination that they want to and they arrive there deliberately. But it starts by determining what they want now. And so, Lord, I pray this in your son's name. Amen.